One thing that never amazes me about that intro is the fact that I refuse to go back and fix the sound where Slate's hitting the golf ball and the sound's playing. Uh, But anyway, welcome back. It is time once again for the Jack Awaken Sports Podcast. Uh, We had what we thought was going to be a calm week, but it turned out to be probably one of the craziest weekend in sports so far uh, for us this year. Uh, We had tempers flaring in NASCAR. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit. We have your week six NFL review uh, and college football week seven will probably go down as one one of the craziest uh, of the season as across the board from the Tennessee game to the Oklahoma State game, USC game. I mean, we, we can go on and on about all the games that just absolutely blew us away on, on Saturday. Uh, but without further ado, let's get right into it. Speaking of NASCAR, uh, we had the race at Las Vegas this past weekend. Joey Logano wins. He punches his ticket now to the championship, uh, the round of four. Uh, Slade, I'll throw it to you first. Just get your thoughts on the race. Let's stay away from Bubba for a second. Let's look at everything else as a whole. Uh, we'll talk about Bubba Wallace here in a minute. Uh, but I just want to get your thoughts on uh, the race as a whole. Yeah, I think the biggest story is that Trackhouse almost had an opportunity to put one of their two cars into the final four and be the first one to be in there. I mean, Daniel Suarez was having an amazing day before a, a pit stop problem and, and just <clears throat> um, Ross Chastain. I mean, up until the last three laps, I thought he was, he was going to be able to block Logano for at least a little bit to be able to keep that. Um, but Logano was able to use the um, the uh, lap down car there and Chastain just took the high lane line the uh, lap down car took the bottom and then he just split them his car was definitely a lot faster they said he was tra- he was catching him by a second a lap because of the new tires that he had got um it was it was really nice to see um i guess three of the last six to win the first race of this round of eight have gone on to win the championship one of them being Joey Logano so it'll be interesting to see how Phoenix goes now that he's locked himself in. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a really good race, especially coming down to the wire there. Uh, a lot of cautions there at the end. I mean, as as a storehouse fan, I was pulling for Briscoe. Uh, I thought he was gonna. I th- I was getting mad at Justin Haley. Justin Haley was doing nothing wrong. He's running his race, but I was like, dude, just let's just let Chase go and let's just, let's get it over with. But no, it was a really good race. Um, I really enjoy the mile and a half this year. I, I think the racing product as a whole at these tracks has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Nick, we'll go to you now. Just your thoughts on the race. Yeah, um, kind of to piggyback off of what Slade said, uh, Trackhouse Racing, uh, you know, Chastain and Suarez, you think about them, they've kind of had those races all season. Um, you know, there was a lot of times where they had opportunities at wins, and uh, I think back to Suarez getting spun out at uh, that Road America. It might have been earlier than that. Um, one of the road courses and when he was in the lead. Um Chastain's had a couple moments like that. So I think going into next year, if they can just kind of hit that next level, um, track house, those two drivers could be very dangerous to watch. Um, Logano, we've talked about him a little bit before. Uh, it's good to see him get a win and, you know, cause he's kind of been floating around these playoffs since they've started. Um, so he's cemented himself in that championship race now. Uh, so good for him. Yeah. Uh, while we continue, this is both the points and look at them a while. Uh, so heading into, Homestead, uh, which I am very excited to see Homestead back in the playoffs. I've said it before, it deserves to still be in the championship race, but I will take it in the round of eight. Uh, as we just said, Logano has his ticket punch. Chastain is 18 points clear. Elliott is 17 points clear. Hamlin is six. Byron is six behind. Briscoe is nine behind. Blaney is 11 behind. And Christopher Bell is 23 behind. Um, I just want to go through these guys and, and talk about their day on Sunday. 
Uh, so again, Logano Chastain battling for the win at the end. Um, I, I, my aunt was texting me because she's a Logano fan uh, as the battle started unfolding with the final five laps there. I texted her. I said, these two are going to wreck each other just because that's what they are known for. Chastain and Logano are two guys that just do not let anything slide. Uh, and they're going to push to the absolute limit. I was pleasantly surprised at how clean the racing was. I was, it was a lot of fun to watch, uh, but I, I, I fully expected one of them to be in the wall or if, if not both of them. Um, Chase Elliott did not have a great day. Uh, he, he said over the radio multiple times, they just did not have the car, especially on that last run. I think he came over and said like, all right, let's start thinking about Homestead a while. Uh, but they kind of knew there was not enough time left to throw any major adjustments at it to get him up there. Um, so he had a, a good day, but not a great day. Uh, certainly not one you would want to you know, punch your ticket to the next round. Hamlin, again, one of those drivers, just kind of hung around the top 10 all day, stayed out of trouble. Uh, William Byron, same thing. He, he had started behind the cut line. Didn't have a super like dominant car. Didn't look like he was going to go up there and challenge for the lead. But again, kept himself in the top 10. Briscoe was a lap down at one point and came firing back. He was, like we just said, challenging Justin Haley for the lead there late in the race. Uh, just did not have the car underneath of him to, to compete for the win long-term. Uh, Blaney, unfortunately, on the one restart, got bunched up, fell back, started making a run, was gaining a lot of ground on Ch Chastain, uh, and then put into the wall. I don't know if he got loose or retired, got cut down. They were going back and forth on what exactly happened on TV. And Christopher Bell gets caught up in the incident of the week that everybody's talking about. Uh, so let's go ahead. Let's talk about it. Uh, I came up with this cool headline. I said WWE. Uh, it sounded really cool in my head. Um, so, middle of the second stage, I believe. I think it was second stage. Um, Larson dive bombed in the turn three and four underneath Harvick and Bubba. Uh, Bubba has made it very clear that he will not lift for anybody. Doesn't care who they are, which is fair. I don't. I don't expect anybody to. Larson gets loose, chases up the track, and hits Bubba into the wall. Bubba immediately turns left across the track. Allegedly, as he says that he his steering was broke. Um, he turns left across the track, right rears Kyle Larson headfirst into the wall. Bubba also spins into the wall. And as Larson's spinning, he comes back across the track, takes out Christopher Bell, who, again, we just mentioned is in the playoffs. So, Nick, you've had some strong feelings about this. but uh, So we'll go to you first and, and just get your thoughts on the whole situation. Yeah, so first of all, I just want to say my headline was cooler, but we probably can't say it on YouTube. Um, at least your headline was like 30 characters long yeah it was a whole lot um but anyway uh we talked about it outside of um the podcast I, listen racing is racing um i'll keep my headline short i said bubble Wa or bubble wallace had a problem with a little bump and grind i'll stop it at that um you know obviously especially in these playoffs like yes larson and wallace aren't in the playoffs anymore um but these guys don't go out there thinking I'm not in the playoffs anymore. I could care less about a win. Um, they're going to do everything they can to, to try to get to the front of the race and win the race at the end of the day. Um, I don't, I don't think there was any issue with what Larson did. I think it was aggressive racing. Um, I've voiced multiple times. I like aggressive racers. That's why I like Larson. Um, and then Wallace to just turn around and, you know, come straight down the track at him, wreck him. Uh, you know, he said at first, Oh, my power steering went out. Um, and then he came out with an apology today. It was a tweet. It had, he had it all typed up, and then the tweet just said reflection. Um, I didn't. It, it didn't sound very sincere. Um, but nonetheless, uh, obviously, you know, he went on to talk about like you get frustrated, yada yada yada. Like I, I don't care if you get frustrated. 
And at the end of the day, like if something like that were to happen and nobody else, you know, got drug up into it, whatever, like it happens in NASCAR all the time. But the fact that, you know, you look at Christopher Bell, who just won last week to get to this stage um, or two weeks ago. Last, last week. week. You were right. Last uh, week. Yeah. Um, you know, to even make it to this stage in the playoffs. And then he turns around and gets wrecked. And now he's sitting in last place in the playoff race again, more than likely going to have to win another race to, you know, keep his championship hopes alive. Um, th- that's the part where I start to get, you know, a little antsy about it. Like, yeah, you wrecked Larson. You got your payback for what you thought he did wrong. Um, but at the end of the day, you also cost a really young, talented driver possibly his chance at a championship race. So uh, you got to be smarter than that, especially when you're racing around a track at 200 miles per hour in cars that have been talked about over and over again about how unsafe they are. Um, It's just stupid, um, irresponsible. I could say insubordinate and churlish, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my opinion on it. Slate. Yeah. So I think that uh, to, to go off of what you guys were saying, NASCAR has now done an in-depth view of all in-car stuff. They um, take the car right to the research and development center that's at the track after incidents like this. Um, I'm pretty sure that they're going to come out and say the power steering was not broke, and that is the reason that he got suspended for one race. Um, I was watching some stuff earlier, and a lot of like NASCAR um, commentary people were stating that they felt as if he should have been fined some money. He's the only one this season that has gotten some sort of penalty and not been fined money. I mean, you have crew chiefs that have nothing to do with the tire that are getting fined $100,000 every race that a tire leaves the pit box. And they have to sit at home for four weeks without a paycheck. So, I mean, someone that's getting paid significantly less than the drivers is doing that. And uh, Trevor Bain actually had commented and said that at one of the races, he did not get into the ambulance. He walked across pit road to his pit stall and he was fined twenty thousand dollars for that bubble wallace not only walked across the track he walked across pit road and into the pit like behind pit road and everything like he pushed the uh emergency professional back like it it, the fine part i mean obviously it doesn't matter if he's suspended a race like they already had a bad couple races so he wasn't going to get the points championship that was originally the reason why he switched over to the 45 car for the rest of the season um, I understand that he's frustrated and everything, but I mean, this I you haven't seen Denny Hamlin do this, and I thought for sure he was going to do it when he caught up to Chastain yesterday or uh, yeah, yeah, Sunday. So like, um, it's just pretty crazy to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. Have they announced who's going to sit in the car? Because they uh, already have... John John Hunter Nemechek. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, here's here's my thing with it. Is one, and I knew the second it happened that this is what it was going to become. Is everybody's like, oh, well, everybody's upset at Bubba because he was black. I'm like, that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Also, like, the I'm, situation I'm, of the person that wrecked yeah. into him and yeah. what they said two years ago. Yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I understand that. I mean, there probably is people out there who are upset at Bubba because of his color. And I, I, but that's not where I'm going with this. And that's not where I think a lot of people are coming from. Is what Bubba did wrong? Absolutely. And you can say your steering was broke all you want. We saw the wheels. Turned hard left, and he came down across the track and took him out. It was either broken or his forearm muscles are moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but my thing is, yeah, you got slammed into the wall, and that, that sucked. But as, as far as we could tell, at that exact moment, there there might have been a linkage broken or something. But there's things that your your team has worked all season on how to re- repair in that six-minute damage clock or whatever. 
there was no guarantee you were out of that race. Yeah, I understand. Here's my, if I'm in Bubba, I wait until Martinsville in two weeks and I drive Larson as hard as I can into the wall. Like if, if I'm coming to turn one or turn three behind him, I don't hit the brakes. I don't care what happens in my car. I'm running him into the wall. That That's just what I would do. I didn't like how he handled himself afterwards is my other thing. I'm fine with him going up and shoving him. We see fights in NASCAR all the time. That's not where I draw an issue with what happened. Yeah. I mean, it. I do get worried about if, if something was going with Larson. He did go head first into the wall at 150 miles an hour. Like we just said earlier, these cars have not had the greatest track record with safety, especially with concussions. Alex Bowman's pretty much out for the season. Kurt Busch has now had to retire because of his head issues. A, a teammate of Bubba Wallace, um, a lot of people said, you know, he kind of looked fuzzy when he got out of the car. I'm not going to speak to head issues that I, I don't really have a full comprehension on, but that is definitely a concern. You're up there shoving a guy around that might have a concussion. I do appreciate Larson trying to be like, hey, listen, I messed up. Like, just, just get away from me. Um, but I, my issue isn't with the fight. My issue is just with turning hard left, hooking a guy in the right rear. And everybody's like, well, th- this has happened. In, you know, other drivers have done this. We've, we've seen other drivers hit each other this year. I'm like, it's not the same situation. Yeah, we have seen other drivers in the past right rear somebody into the wall. Um, Grant Ampinger, I think, is uh, the truck series driver. I know Carson Hosovar has done it a few times. I think he's done it twice this year alone. And again, I'm not excusing those guys, but at the same time, they don't get a lot of fuss because it's a truck series. Nobody gives a shit about the yeah. truck series. <laughs> also, there's another dollar, but yeah. The comparison people are going to draw is uh, two, three weeks ago, we saw William Byron spin Denny Hamlin under caution or vice versa, whatever. Um, the difference here is that Christopher Bell, who's in the championship eight, he's in the in the final eight right now, um, is just trying to get around the track, you know, collect some points, and he gets taken out and loses all the momentum that their team just built up last week. Right. Uh, it, it wouldn't have mattered if he came across and spun him into the wall. I don't think we and he if he did knock it out and like kind of show a more aggressive side after that, like like we said, we see the fights all the time and stuff like that. Just not usually out in the infield, or I mean, not out in the trial area, you know. Um, so it's it's confusing. I mean, it's also Larson put himself in a position that he shouldn't have been in. I mean, he he did the same thing where he puts his hand up and says sorry when he wrecked his own teammate at what was it, Watkins Glen or Sonoma? Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah. So he, I mean, he he wrecked Chase Elliott, and in that point, everyone was like, Chase Elliott chose the wrong line or whatever. Like, let's blame Chase Elliott, you know which is fine in that situation, but, I mean, Kyle Larson is not racing for a championship, and neither was Bubba Wallace, so I don't, we already know that the aerodynamics of these cars are not where everyone feels comfortable with them yet, so I don't think that he should have dive-bombed two cars to to put himself up into the wall with Bubba Wallace either. And to to the Larson point, I, I understand Listen, you need to make moves at sometimes. I don't think the middle of stage two for a random top ten position is the time to do that. At the same time, nothing to him. Yeah, and I I understand. And at the same time, I think when he did that, he's like, okay, he saw Harvick lit up. He's like, okay, Harvick backed out. He thought Bubba was going to do the same thing. And I I I understand Bubba's stance. Like, I'm not backing off for anybody. He's like, I'm finally running at the front. I deserve to be up here. I've earned this. And I'm not saying that Bubba should have let off either. Um, but it's it's definitely a double edged sword where. Yeah, you're probably racing too aggressive for that point in the race, but you know, on the flip side, you're if you're in Bubba's shoes, yeah, you probably could have let off at that point in the race. Who knows if he would have let off, Larson might have hit the wall on his own because he was yeah. he went in that hard. Yeah, yeah. So 
but back to the William Byron thing real quick, since you brought that up. I said then he should have been suspended. And then they rescinded his points fine and, and they just uh they said it was a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Which I thought was BS because it's one thing to wreck somebody because you're upset with them, which first of all, I didn't understand why he was upset with Hamlin. I don't, I, I watched that race. I didn't see Hamlin do anything wrong to Byron at any point. Um, I guess he cut him off at some point. Yeah. But I think that's a much more severe problem because yeah, like you said, this situation sucks because it, it could have resulted in Larson getting seriously hurt, but it also took out a championship contender in Christopher Bell. But with, with the uh, Byron Hamlin situation, I forgot their names for a minute. Um, that to me is a much more serious issue because it was a yellow flag. The caution's out. He's safety workers. Over the wall. Yeah, there's people getting over the wall, but there's also safety workers coming out. If you spin somebody on purpose or, or under caution, I feel like that's a much more serious offense. And I 100% think he should have been suspended for that, let alone not, you know, been able to rescind the points or anything. He said it was an accident, which again, I don't think it was, but, um, is he lost power steering? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it was. Uh, moving on because we can spend all night talking about this topic. Um, let's get into some NFL, the NFL week six review, excuse me, had some very surprising games this past week. Uh, let's go ahead and pull up the scoreboard. We've got six games to go over here for you guys. The giants are somehow a five and one football team. Uh, they beat, they had a great comeback win over the Ravens. Uh, Lamar Jackson fumbled late in the game. Um, my boy, Kevon Thibodeau with the, the strip sack there. Uh, but they get a huge win, uh, 24 to 20. Daniel Jones, 19 to 27, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Saquon Barkley, uh, a bright spot for Penn State on the weekend, 83 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 287 total yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, one thing I'm going to say about this game, and I'll let you guys talk about it real quick, is Daniel Jones has been getting a lot of hate the last few weeks saying, oh, yeah, the, the Giants are 3-1, and 4-1, so on, whatever. But he's not doing anything. You know, he's Everybody's giving him credit. He's not going out there and throwing six picks. He's not out there losing the game for for the Giants. You know, you look back at Eli Manning, there was times where he was an MVP caliber, and there was times where he was the worst quarterback in the league, but they still made they still won two Super Bowls. They still were like a playoff team every other year, it seemed like. There was a lot of undeserved hate, I think I feel like going towards Daniel Jones. I know Nick, you're you're high on him, but I feel like this game he came out, he Two touchdowns, 173 yards, no interceptions, did not turn the ball over. I thought he looked really good. Uh, so hopefully that quiets some of the haters. Uh, Slade, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in that people are definitely throwing some negative shade towards Daniel Jones. I think that his job right now is to kind of go out there and not mess up. Um, They're going to hand the ball over to Saquon as much as they can. And when Daniel Jones goes down with a little boo-boo, they just put Saquon in there. He starts... They start snapping the ball to him. Um, no, I, th- I think that it's pretty crazy to look at the stats that you just threw up there and think that 173 yards with two touchdowns and Barkley under 100 yards beats the Baltimore Ravens that we've seen just be pretty unstoppable from an offensive standpoint these past couple of weeks. Uh, Nick? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I just want to say a little bit about the Ravens first. So I- I don't have anything bad to say. I've had my opinions about Lamar Jackson and where I think he is on the QB list. Um, But the only thing I got to say is, you know, you're the best team in your division right now, but you wouldn't know it by your record. And they got to finish games. Uh, Three out of the first six weeks, they've had 10 point plus leads and ended up losing the game. Um, So, yeah, if you're the Ravens, I don't know what Harbaugh's got going on over there, but you got to be able to finish games. 
as far as the Giants go, yeah, I, I love uh, Danny Dimes. I don't think he's an elite-level quarterback, um, but I watched him last year. I want to say week two or week three uh, against some lower-level team. Don't remember who it was. He had no Barkley. Um, he might have had other people out too. And Danny Dimes, if he's got nobody around him helping him, will uh, do his best to put the team on his back. And I think that's um, what uh, Dable expects out of him. You know, he doesn't want him playing hero ball, but he knows that he's got a quarterback that knows his limits and is going to give his give his all every single play. You got a healthy Saquon back, which is great for any team that would have him. Um, especially, with, how many running backs do you know? that the starting quarterback could get injured and they're just like, yeah, go, go take snaps. Like you got this, like none, none. Um, which speaks a lot on Barkley. Obviously we miss him at Penn state. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the giants look great. Giants look great. Um, I, I get the comparison or not the comparison, but talked about a lot as a Washington fan, like, Oh, well look at what the giants are doing. That shows you what a good, smart, energetic head coach can do. That team has no business being five and one in all reality. Uh, but he's got them playing at a very high level. Um, they're not dominating games, but they're doing what they need to do in, to win. And at the end of the day, it don't matter if you win by 30 or three, a win's a win. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what the Giants can do the rest of the season and where Dabble can take that team you know, into the future. I think he's a great head coach. I really want the Bears to get him. I know they interviewed him, but uh, yeah, we didn't get him. <laughs> we won't get too deep into that. No, it's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next game up, we had the Bucks visiting the Steelers. Uh, this game surprised me. Uh, Kenny Pickett goes down with an injury. Uh, Mitch Kiss and Tits comes in. Is that a dollar? Should I, should I put a dollar? Nah, it's a body uh, part. I thought we discussed body parts weren't. Okay, all right, fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mitch Trubisky comes in nine of twelve, so not flashy, but one hundred forty-four yards, one touchdown. Tom Brady, twenty-five of forty, two hundred forty-three yards, one touchdown. The Buccaneers just suck, dude. Uh, the entire NFC South sucks. Um, that you can't tell me there's one good team in that entire division right now. 90% uh, of the NFC as a whole sucks. Like, yeah. I, uh, Nick, uh, we'll go to you first this time. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's funny because my boy Mike, uh, if you listen to this, Mike, sorry, I got to do this to you. Um, but we were playing a little Apex early on Sunday morning and he was talking about some of the games. My boy Mike, he's a Patriots fan. I put that in quotes because he loves Tom Brady. I'll, I'll count him as a Patriots fan, but he loves Tom Brady. Um, and he was talking about the Patriots game, and I think they played the Browns, maybe? I don't know. We don't have a screen. I forget now. But anyway, and then he was like, oh, Tampa Bay against Steelers. That should be an easy win. And I kind of chuckled, but I didn't really say anything to him because I was thinking, like, this Tampa Bay, it, the defense is still defense. I don't know how they let Pittsburgh score 20. Um, Kiss and tits is just that good, I guess. But uh, their offense is terrible. And when you got, I'll say, arguably the best quarterback of all time, um, because people out there will argue about, you know, uh, schemes and elite defenses and whatnot. So also arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And three of some of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Julio Jones is old. He, I don't think he's one of the best receivers in the league anymore. But you still got Chris Godwins and Mike Evans. I don't know exactly how their health has been so far this year. But regardless, this offense looks like crap. And uh, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. Tom Brady gave up his wife and the mother of his kids. and probably his kids too, uh, to come out here and, and piss down his legs. So I, I don't feel bad for him though. I've seen enough of Tom Brady. He could have stayed out of the league when he said he was gonna, and I would have not thought twice about it. Yeah. Uh, Slade, any thoughts? Uh, it's just crazy. I mean, there's obviously a lot going on in the Brady household and, um, 
I feel like it's taking more apart from their team than it is from Brady because I mean he still threw for 250 yards, but his team just can't get it together. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think it's crazy also that um Kenny Pickett, had he stayed in the game, I think he'd have gotten more rushing yards than Najee Harris because Harris ended with like talk about it. 40 yards. There's a dollar. <laughs> I was gonna say it cut out, but I heard it. Um <laughs> How many how many drunk Steeler fans were in the ER yesterday, Slade? Uh, I, I was off during the day yesterday. I worked uh, over okay. Sunday night into Monday. There was a lot of drunk people. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, just my favorite part about this whole game is after the game when the teams are walking through the, the locker room, whatever. Uh, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for the oh, yes, is celebrating. Uh, and Chris Boswell says, it ain't because of you. Sure as hell ain't because of you. And I think that's the funniest thing. They uh, think because, that the, they think that it might be two separate conversations now that they're care. playing it's, it back. I, I, it definitely yeah. came out as like there was some some beef there. That I uh, dude, I could imagine it because Canada's trash. I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I, again, how he's the coach, the coach, not the country. We, we yeah, Canada the coach. Yeah, I'm a big uh, fan of uh, Canada. Never been for, there, but except I for to. Toronto. Uh, yeah, Toronto shouldn't f off. There you go. Way to save a dollar. Um, I know. Next game up, another surprising game, the Falcons 28-14 over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, first of all, clap it up for the Falcons, not blowing a lead. Um, also, Marcus Mariota balled out on Sunday. Three total touchdowns. The other touchdown came on a defensive turnover. Um, I thought the 49ers had a chance. Uh, they looked really good the first week with Garoppolo back. Uh, and since then, they've just fallen flat on their face. Uh, Garoppolo, 29-41, 296 yards, two touchdowns, also two interceptions. Um, Slade, your thoughts on this game, if any? Yeah, I think that it was crazy that the 49ers until this game were somehow with their depleted roster getting the job done against some quality opponents. But uh, Mariota, I mean, he used his one game that he should have used in the national championship. Uh, to, uh, uh, <laughs> I thought I knew it was coming, but I was hoping he didn't go there. Uh, All right. At least we've been there twice since 1986. Yeah, but you still have zero, yeah. don't you? Yeah. What, you have one? Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't know if we should count national championships back when polls used to give it out. but <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'll, I'll keep that to myself. We'll let yeah. it slide. We'll let uh, it slide. <laughs> uh, Nick? Yeah. Uh, listen, first of all, I've been watching Mariota since the start of the season. This Falcons team has, uh, I'd say, very heavily overperformed what everybody thought they would. Um, you know, they got him playing great down there in Atlanta. And Mariota, uh, somebody asked me the other day about, oh, you got Carson Wentz and, you know, you're losing games. Who would you rather have if it wasn't Wentz? I said Mariota. Um, sort of like on the on the line of Danny Dimes, I, for, I think Mariota should have never lost his starting job. I think he should have got more of a chance. Um, and he's kind of proving it here in Atlanta with what little he has to work with, especially I don't know if Patterson's still out, but I know he was there for um, a couple weeks. I think he is still out. Um, and he's still scoring points, you know, three touchdowns against a good, stingy San Francisco defense. Um, he's getting the job done, and uh, that's a lot more than I can say for Carson Wentz. Um, San Francisco, I, I thought San Francisco was going to win this game. I did think it was going to be close. Um, it, I guess that was just the weekend we had in football. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to look up on Ryan, because I can't remember exactly the year when Tannehill got named a starter. Mm-hmm. And, it and, should have been around. I want to say. I know, I know like Henry was drafted or nineteen. In, yeah, I know Henry was drafted in sixteen. Um, yeah, 
But because my first thought was, wow, could you imagine those two to get like Mariota and, and mm-hmm. Henry together? But then I realized I was like, I'm pretty sure they did play together. But yeah, uh, I'm just happy to see Mariota play so well. Uh, you know, I like you said, I thought he got shafted a little bit in Tennessee. He did take them to the playoffs twice. Uh, he beat the Chiefs in Kansas City uh, in one of those years. Um, want to pass himself nonetheless, but uh, he yeah, he's not a fly, he's not a Mahomes, he's not going to go out there and put up gaudy numbers and, and just lead his team to victory on his own. He's like you said, he's Daniel Jones, he's going to go out there, he's going to do just enough to control the ball, try and not make any big mistakes, and put his team in the best position he can without you know, you know, risking life and limb and, and making dumb decisions. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I feel like he does he does get a bad rap. Um, but I get that that has a little bit of bias. Next game's up. Uh, I had to throw some shade at, at the at the Packers uh, just because obviously we can't beat them, but everybody else can. Uh, the Jets beat the Packers 27-10 in Lambeau. Brees Is Hall- it too early in the season for a Jack Wagon Sports Jets chant? Because, like, no. I'm – listen, I talked about moving to Buffalo if I ever got tired of Washington, but Zach Wilson, the milf hunter himself, and the Jets have got me fired up. Well, the, the best part is – is Wilson goes 10 of 18 for 110 yards. Um, <laughs> Brees Hall, 20 carries, 116 yards, one touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, 26 of 41, 246 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, this is the most surprising part of the entire weekend to me. Uh, my favorite part is, I, I think it was Sauce Gardner put a Packers hat. Uh, yeah, hat on, put the G set on. And Al Lazard didn't like him. that. Uh, and listen, was, Sauce Gardner is a dog. All right. I, I watched. I'm pretty this, sure. He still hasn't allowed a touchdown since like his second to last year in college. Yeah, I, I don't think so. But my favorite part is somebody broke down a video of him like doing man coverage, and like he he was never more than six inches away from the guy, and he's like a double move route. And everybody's like, I've never seen coverage this good. Yeah, uh, so I'm excited to see what he can do in the NFL. Um, Nick, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, like I said, Jets got me fired up. Um, Zach Wilson didn't have a spectacular day, but I mean. You know, when Brees Hall is doing what he's doing uh, and Michael Carter isn't a bad running back for them either. Um, you know, they kind of got the job done for him on Sunday. Uh, this Green Bay team, I said it since the beginning of the season and it gets worse and worse every week. They losing Devontae Adams was the biggest mistake they probably have made. At least yeah. that I can think of since Rodgers has been there. Um, I, I'm sure there's a few other uh competitive ones in there but uh definitely the biggest one rogers looks frustrated and they need to rely more on their ground game and uh, i don't know whose fault it is whether it's lafleur or i forget their offensive coordinator's name um whoever's fault it is you know you got two running backs back there a great one-two punch that can move the ball and usually do move the ball when you give them that ball um now granted uh the jets d line especially quinn and williams shout out to him he's a dog too um you know, they were playing really well, but thank you. Yeah. He's great character, great guy, great football player. Um, But yeah, this game really showed what green Bay is lacking. um, And that's play calling and wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, Slade. I, the Packers are down bad. I mean, if Wilson only has to complete 10 passes for a hundred yards, and that wins by more than two scores. I mean, you've you've got problems there. Yeah, it just makes me feel even worse as a Bears fan, just because like <laughs> I I know we're bad and I understand that, but the fact that like we're like I think Green Bay only has like one or two two wins. I think two wins. The, the fact that we're one of those two wins. Yeah, we're three and three. 
Oh, well, three. three. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I guess they got a free win somewhere. I don't know. Um, uh, well, they're gonna get a free win next week. But. Yeah, I was gonna say they're gonna be four three <laughs> next week. But uh, I, I want to say it's they, Bears. They beat the Patriots, the Bears, Patriots. and the Bucks in a three-week stretch, uh, and now they lost the last two weeks. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, Cooper Rush's undefeated streak comes to an end. Uh, twenty-six seventeen against Philadelphia. Cooper Rush goes eighteen to thirty-eight, hundred eighty-one yards, one touchdown, but three interceptions. Jalen Hurts fifteen to twenty-five, hundred fifty-five yards, two touchdowns. Um, Dallas made it a little bit of a game to start the second half, uh, and then Philly pulled right back away. Uh, Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, um, there's a lot of people hating on Cooper Rush after this, you know, saying, oh, well, I guess not that. And yeah, a 1.0 uh, passer rating going into the half is not great. Nobody's going to look at you and say, yeah, I want you on my team. Um, but everybody, especially NFL fans, I don't know what it is. The second something negative happens, they forget everything else that anybody's ever done. You could have, you could be Tom Brady. Like Bucks fans right now, probably want Tom Brady dead, and they forget that they brought he brought them a Super Bowl. Um, but uh, nonetheless, they like probably want his him to get wife remarried. Dead. But yeah, <laughs> they just yeah, want that's... that issue to be out of there. But yeah, yeah, yeah um, but yeah, you know, Cooper Rush. Yeah, he didn't have a great game. Obviously, one touchdown, three interceptions. But in my opinion, this is the best defense in the league. Um, they, you know, Darius Slay is as much as I hate to see him and play him twice a year is one of my favorite corners in the league. Um, they have two rookies from Georgia that basically, you know, were pro players before they ever got into the NFL, um, especially Jordan Davis, who's just an absolute mountain of a man on the D line. Um, this is a very hard defense to play against the score against both, uh, Philly's coordinators are doing very well this season with the talent, you know, that they have, which obviously is a lot of talent, but, um, in my opinion, it's, it's Philly and the bills. And I don't think that Dallas is anywhere near that level. So uh, to put up 16 and only let him score 26, I think was a good job by Dallas as much as I hate to say it. Um, they kept running the RPO to Parsons side, which uh, genius, fucking genius. I'll put a dollar in the swear jar for it. Um, how do you negate their best defensive player? You want an RPO to his side. Like it, it, I, these coordinators have it all figured out. They got all the, the people in place to, you know, to make another Super Bowl run. I hope they don't do it. Because fuck Philly, I'll put another dollar in the swear jar. Fuck Philly, I'll put three in. I don't care. Um, but yeah, if you're a Dallas fan, you really can't feel too bad about this game, in my opinion. But that's just me. <laughs> uh, just the one thing I want to say about Cooper Rush is we we have said it so many times in this in this episode alone. Daniel Jones, Marcus Mariota, quarterbacks who were doing just enough. Dallas had done a really good job of protecting him. Hey, I don't need you to go out there and throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns and do i just need you to go out there don't throw an interception don't try and do too much we're going to hand the ball off to pollard and elliot we're going to need you to make a couple throws here and there but we're not going to put the entire game in your hands just just get us through until Dak gets back this is the first game where they, they realize early okay philly philly's putting up some points okay cooper we need you to go out there and make a couple plays and I, he just started forcing the ball he started playing out of his comfort zone and that that's where it bit him and yeah, I, I think he is getting a bad rap. I don't. Everybody's like, "Oh, there's a, there's a QB controversy because he he's five and zero, and I'll, he's five and zero because he can sit back there and be like, okay, uh, yeah." And his defense is out there doing great things. Philly's offense is clicking right now; they're rolling. Dallas couldn't stop, like you just said. They exploited the RPO against uh, Michael Parsons, and I, 
Cooper Rush is getting a lot of hate he doesn't deserve right now, but I, I really don't understand why people ever thought this was a controversy between him. Yeah, it wasn't like he was going out there and, like, Patrick Mahomes sidearm, like, like, he was managing the game like you expect your backup quarterback to do. And unfortunately, when you have a game manager in at quarterback, you're going to face teams that are better than you. And when you do that, your game managing quarterback is not going to help you. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's my big thing. Slade, any thoughts on this game? I think, like you said, Cooper Rush has had his, uh, sort of like you said, you didn't say these exact words, but he's kind of had his head slowly blown up over the past couple of weeks because. Although he has played great, um, like you guys both said, he's he was a pawn in that offense here of recent because they were calling plays that made it so that the game wasn't in his hands. Uh, unfortunately, I think, like Nick said, Philly's defense is just phenomenal right now. And I think if Dak would have been back 100%, I think we would have seen him throw two or three interceptions and then still lose by nine or ten points. I think that Philly's just that good. Yeah, uh, I, I think Dak is just that bad as well. But uh, moving on to game of the week, uh, we had a rematch of the AFC divisional game from last year. The Bills at the Chiefs. Bills finally beat the Chiefs 24 to 20. Josh Allen, 27 of 40, 329 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Mahomes, 25 of 40, 338 yards, two touchdowns. But he also threw the key interception in the final minute. Uh, the last thing I'll say before I turn it over to you two about this game first of all, great game, obviously. My one thing is, if I'm the Bills, you you need. They were celebrating like they just won the Super Bowl, or their fans especially. I think the team was a little bit more subdued, but they were excited. And I understand you you got the monkey off your back. You finally beat Kansas City, especially in Kansas City, with the way the game ended last year. I understand, but this this isn't your Super Bowl. You, you have yeah. so much higher expectations this year, and you may end up playing them in the playoffs again. Yeah, you beat them now, but there's a pretty go, good chance. <laughs> you got to beat them in the playoffs. That is the key yeah. here. I don't care what you do in the regular season, but you got to beat these guys in the playoffs. Yeah. That's the only thing I'll say on on that end. Josh Allen had a great game, great game, great game manager. Patrick Mahomes didn't look too bad, but just made that was first of all a, a spectacular defensive play on on the final play uh, for the Chiefs. But uh, Slay, we'll go to you first. Yeah. So I guess first thing is. Uh... I understand your point in that they were celebrating excessively, but I also think that this was a very monumental win for them because this is their chance to make sure that they do not play in uh, the Chiefs stadium in the playoffs. They have that head-up win. So if they both go on to, to play the rest of the season and both only have the one or two losses that they, that they currently have, um, that game would be played in Buffalo. Uh, that is the one positive that came out of this. That's why I kind of understand why there was some excessive celebrating, especially with the way that they kind of felt shafted last year due to the overtime rules. Obviously, the coin flip could have went the opposite way, and Kansas City would have been the one that's upset. But um, I am not going to be able to watch the Chiefs play if Patrick Mahomes cannot throw the ball overhand. The sidearm just irritates the hell. Oh, yeah, me too. I like I, I'm that. amazed by it, but it's like, no, I'd rather him throw with his left hand like he yeah. did a couple times than him <laughs> do the sidearm because it's just so irritating to me. And, and like a lot of people talk about his his skill, but like he gets very lucky on a lot of those throws too. I I yes, I think that too. And and I just I was very surprised by the score of this game. Two very offensive teams, and to see that it was only ten ten at halftime, and yeah, that was just the most surprising part to me is the score. I definitely thought this was going to be like a 45 to 38 score or something like that, you know? 
for sure. Also, shout out Jordan Poyer for driving 15 hours there. Yeah. Because they wouldn't let him fly, playing in the game and having to drive 15 hours back. Uh, yeah, that was that bigger was man fun. than I would ever be. Uh, sure. Nick? Yeah. Uh, so I just have two things really I want to say. First of all, um, Josh Josh Allen on the sideline, uh, right at the end of the game, basically when Buffalo knew they were going to win, everybody started celebrating. Um, Josh Allen was sitting on the bench with almost the same look he was last year when they lost in the playoffs, um, which is very encouraging to see your quarterback just beat a team that you haven't been able to beat since he got into the league, a team that you lost to last year, you know, to miss out on the uh, conference championship game. And he's sitting there as if they had just lost. Like he, he looked ready to move on. He knows that his mission isn't done. Um, so to kind of piggyback off of what George said, if your team can feel like that, who cares how the fans are celebrating? Uh, but I, I definitely agree with you, George. You know, you can do whatever you want in the regular season. If they come, if it comes down to facing them again in the playoffs, you got to do it again. And the second thing, a lot of people have said this. If Tony Romo was as good at knowing the game of football when he was an active NFL quarterback as he is now as an analyst, the dude would have been uh, probably greater than Tom Brady. I think it was like the first quarter. And he was like, yeah, this is going to end up being like a 24 to 20 game. And it ends up being a 24 to 20 game. Like how you even know that, especially with those two teams. Like I, again, if if he could have done that while he was a quarterback, he would have been great. Dallas. I'll I'll say this in defense of Romo. I I think his brain was fine when he played. It's just, he didn't have the talent. I think that's all it was. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you you think about Einstein, like, yeah, he he had the brain and the talent. There's, there's probably plenty of smart people out there who have yeah, the brain, they just don't have the talent, or they have that's the talent, true. but not the brain. So. Oh, he does suck. Us three cannot be making those comments. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're the only ones allowed to make those comments. Yeah. Uh, Some of the three dumbest, almost least athletic. I mean, uh, we're, we're somewhat athletic. I'll give it to you. Uh, it's time now for week seven college football review. Uh, like we said at the top of the show, probably one of the craziest weeks of college football i've seen in a while uh across the board uh illinois has one loss they're ranked in the top 25 uh we'll go over the jack wagon sports top 25 here in a second uh it would probably help if i put the right headline at the top uh <laughs> not the right one there we go we got it there we go um but let's start with that illinois game uh they beat minnesota 26 14 at home tommy devito uh 25 of 32 252 yards one touchdown Tanner Morgan did lead the game in the fourth quarter, but he went 4 of 12, 21 yards and one interception. Ibrahim uh, uh, returned from Minnesota in this game from injury. Uh, of course, I put him on my Heisman top five, and then he got hurt. Um, but 15 carries, 127 yards, and one touchdown. He also is tied, I believe, uh, for the most running backs or most touchdowns by a running back in Minnesota history. Uh, Slade, you first. Uh, first off, I would not be surprised for him to break that tie this upcoming weekend. Uh, hopefully it's not in the last couple seconds of a game to win. But uh, I somehow, kind of like you guys were with Kansas, I've been on this Illinois like winning train. The last couple weeks, they've been the underdog and have somehow pulled it out. And so it's it's ridiculous to see. I mean, obviously, people could put an asterisk next to it that their quarterback uh, – that. Morgan got hurt in the fourth, but seeing as though he only put up 20 points in the first 40 minutes of the game, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to make that argument. Or 20 yards, sorry. Nick? Yeah, Um. 
listen, I've slowly been getting on the, the Illinois train here too, um, especially when I picked against them like two weeks in a row and I lost those picks both weeks. Um, Minnesota was a very good team this year. You know, even before this injury, they kind of started to fall apart. Uh, ha- not having Ibrahim, obviously, you know, didn't help them. He, I said it, I don't know if I said it on the show or before we started tonight, but one of the better running backs in the country, um, a, a good, strong runner. And, you know, this, this game, I, I think Tanner Morgan, it, for me, is on the same level as Sean Clifford. Uh, they got good arms, um, but they make some bad decisions every once in a while. And <laughs> they're both like 35. Um, they're going to, if they, if either one of them makes it to the NFL, they should just retire that year because they're too old to play anyway. Um, but no, to see him go out there and throw for, for four for 12 for 21 yards, um, especially when we think about, I want to say it was two years ago. That would have been, no, three years ago, 2019. Um, this Minnesota offense, you know, obviously, I think they have different offense coordinator now, but you think back to that three years ago, they were airing the ball out. Um, and Tanner Morgan was, he looked like, the, I don't know, name uh, Bryce Young, just a, launching the ball downfield. I don't think he's good as good as Bryce Young, but you get what I'm getting at here. Um, and, you know, to rely this heavily on your run game and then the couple passes you ask your quarterback to make, he only completes four out of 12 of them. Uh, you're not going to win very many games. I'm sure uh, I we don't know at this point if Morgan is going to play against Penn State this weekend. Whether he does or he doesn't, they're probably going to ball out just because, you know, Slate and I don't deserve happiness. Um, but, yeah. You guys say that now Oregon's going to get blown out on Saturday. <laughs> I don't either. Um, this is all I'm going to say. I, I am a huge fan of P.J. Fleck, but you can only row the boat so much until you need the motor, and they need a motor on that offense outside of uh, Ibrahim. Yeah, um, that's that's all I'll say about that. Uh, the two game of the weeks, I, I would argue, I watched both of these games. Uh, I was constantly flipping back and forth. I think I got carpal tunnel from using my thumb so much. Um, yeah, that's what I was from. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, that that and that and the tweeting. I was doing a lot of tweeting on Saturday. You were doing a lot of tweeting. Um, but Alabama, Tennessee, uh, just <laughs> absolutely insane environment to start with. Uh, 49-52, the final score. Hendon Hooker, twenty-one of thirty. 385 yards, five touchdowns. The guy who caught all five of those touchdowns was Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Jaden. Now I feel bad because I probably got his name wrong. Um, five receiving touchdowns, 207 yards. Bryce Young, 35 of 52, 455 yards, two touchdowns. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about this game. Um, Nick, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so uh, I thought that Alabama was going to lose this game, but I knew that Alabama was going to lose this game right when I seen Pat McAfee leave his feet back flipping into the river. I knew right there. I was like, there's no chance. Um, in all reality, you know, we talked about it during the game. This should have been like 70 to 49. Hooker missed what three deep balls. Um, and that that could have easily went for touchdowns. And, you know, when you're facing Alabama, any other team, you know, those are plays that are usually going to cost you in the end. But uh Hooker, we've talked about him. I, I think he's especially after this game, making his case for a Heisman finalist. Um, Hyatt had a Randy Moss day out there. You can't really ask for much better than that. And, you know, though they let him score 49, the Tennessee defense held up really well, especially towards the end when Alabama had a chance not only to take the lead, but to also build on that lead. Um, they, they stood up and they stopped them. So kudos to Tennessee. Uh, I'm excited to see where the rest of their season can go. Uh, Slade, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think anyone lost in either of these games that we've got to see and that we're going to talk about here. I think that... Uh, you both 
felt as if Tennessee was going to win this game going into Saturday. Uh, and I would just like to put on the record that I did say Hooker was going to throw his first interception, and he did. But um, it's just a crazy game. I mean, it would have the only way that this game could have got better is the blocked field goal that ended up make being a, uh, <laughs> the game winning field goal. It, it was it was blocked. It got a hand on it, and that's why it was spinning sideways. I mean, could you just imagine if we'd have seen overtime these two teams in the red zone? Just for however yeah. long. I mean, they may have been able to break the Penn State Illinois <laughs> yeah. overtime record that we saw. Yeah. Because they wouldn't even had to be told they have to go for two points. They'd have just been going for two points. They'd have told the kickers yeah. to stay on the sidelines. Oh yeah. 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 They were done with kickers at that point. No. Yeah. Uh yeah. One of the, the best games I've seen in in a while. I, I I was like I said, I was flipping back and forth, but it was hard to turn the TV off. Um oh, hold on. One of the best games. Let me ask you this question. What? From Pat McAfee backflip to goalpost in the river, have you ever seen a game deliver that much excitement? I, I From didn't say it wasn't the most exciting. I'm, I'm just talking, saying. I'm talking, about of, the, I'm talking about the 60 minutes between between the sidelines. All right, That's all right. what in I'm terms talking of about. wow factor, George watching Oregon in the Alamo Bowl was the most wow game that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I'm going to kick you off this episode. We can, like, <laughs> man. Oh, my God. Anyway, as I was trying to say, um, I, I I tweeted this. This is the one tweet I put out on Saturday that didn't get a lot of attention. But I really felt like, especially at the start of the game, at, well, after the first quarter was over, Alabama kind of got it together. But the first quarter, to me, it really seemed like Alabama was just, like, sticker shock with it. Like, wow. Like, look at this environment. Like, they were making mistakes that we haven't seen before. Uh, Bryce Young was off. The defense was off. If the game stopped at the end of the first quarter, Tennessee would, without a doubt, be the national or the number one team in the nation right now, just because they were absolutely clicking. And Alabama just looked like they had never been in a situation like this before. Like I don't, I don't know another way to put it. Almost like, like we expect teams to act when they go to Alabama. Almost like that kind of that situation. Um, they they had a very nice recovery. They got their defense together. I will say this. Probably some of the worst defensive football I've watched in a long time. Um, for the love of God, how do you not double cover Hyatt after the second touchdown? Yeah. Um, I would say the third. Because the, the, the first one was a deep ball. The second one was the kind of the, the swing pass out of the backfield. The third one was a deep ball. The fourth one was a deep ball. The fifth one was a deep ball. Like, at some point, it's like, Maybe we should double cover the guy. Like, I That's, don't know. Or at least, like, just throw your safety in the end zone and say, listen, you got to make an open field tackle, all right? <laughs> uh, just, but my, my, my biggest concern going forward from this game is Tennessee's defense. Like we said, yeah, they, they kind of tightened it up there at the end, and they made a couple key stops, um, and they looked really good against LSU. But is this going to be a good enough defense to stop Georgia? Georgia can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They're not going to put up – ridiculous numbers like Alabama did, but Alabama or student Georgia's defense, I would argue is a lot better than Alabama's. Oh, yeah. um, and the one good thing for Tennessee, though, is I know they were missing their two starting corners. Uh, there was a lot of concern, especially there in the second half. I know one of their corners went down. I think he's cramping. Uh, so hopefully he's okay, but they're, they're definitely losing some depth at corner. So hopefully they start to get that back because that is something you're going to need to make a run through the rest of the SEC with Georgia, uh, Kentucky coming up. So there, there's definitely – I wouldn't say Tennessee is without a doubt. I think they're going to have a great year. But I wouldn't say they're without a doubt a lock for the championship or a lock for the SEC title. They, they still have a very tough schedule ahead. 
for me, their offense, I wouldn't say has any question marks. It's the defensive side of the ball to me that, that offers a lot of questions up uh, that I'm not ready to stamp, you know, them into Atlanta for the, for the SEC championship or into the, the, the final four for the college football playoffs. Have, um, have you guys seen the uh, hypothesized of what could happen where Alabama still oh makes my Dude, it, it would be it, it'd be Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama possibly. No, there's a. I think they had Ole Miss in there. I th- oh yeah, 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 They, yeah, they yeah, figured yeah, out yeah. a way to get all four teams in. Yeah. Oh if, my god. Where if Ole Miss runs the table, if their only losses to Alabama, yeah. If Alabama's only loss to Tennessee, if Georgia's uh law or Georgia's only losses to Alabama in the in the uh, SEC championship and. Yeah. Tennessee is only, only lost to Georgia. Georgia yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna get all four teams in. I'm like, oh dear God, I will, <laughs> I will not watch this year. Uh, so it, it was pretty funny. You mentioned Ole Miss. Yeah. Lane Kiffin before his game, walking around the stadium, is asked by ESPN, uh, uh, just a simple question, and and he says, yeah, I mean, we're we're not, we're not uh, unknown to what's going on. Uh, let's let's go out and beat Alabama. Or what do he say? He said, "Let's both beat the state of Alabama today because yeah, they're playing Auburn." Yeah, uh, and then he yeah. said, uh, "Let's go." T- or what did he say? He said t- uh, Tennessee's thing. Uh, he, he said, "Go Vols!" Yeah, yeah, go Vols! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now that that was really cool to see. Lane Kiffin's just happy he didn't have to play them this year. Uh, yeah, I will say this about Ole Miss: they worry me. They they have a really good team. We saw last week though they let uh, Vanderbilt hang around for a whole half. Uh, they had Auburn dead the rights for most of the game, and then Auburn just crept back in. I, I said this, though. Auburn has been able to keep themselves in some of these games through some of the luckiest shit I've ever seen. Uh, like, Ole Miss threw a swing pass. The dude caught it. And rather than tuck it in, he just started going like this, and the ball went flying up in there. I'm like, and all of a sudden, Auburn recovered it, and they were able to start make, making a comeback. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, there's luck, and then there's just whatever this is. Because yeah. Auburn is one of the worst teams I've ever seen play football. But they get some of the dumbest bounces and, and some of the dumbest things happen to them. That it's like they hung around with Georgia for a whole half last week, and it's like, how? And, and you watch it, and it's like, oh, it's just pure luck. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, moving on, like I said, the other game of the week, Oklahoma State uh, and TCU in the Battle of the Unbeatens in the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma State, again, had TCU dead the rights. They were up 30-16 to 16 starting the fourth quarter. Uh, Duggan goes 23 of 40, 286 yards, two touchdowns. Spencer Sanders, 245 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That interception should have been a touchdown pass. I watched it happen live. The, the wide receiver had three steps on the defender, and he just underthrew it. Uh, and that kind of ultimately led to TCU making the comeback. And then once you get the overtime, especially in an environment like that where the fans are super into the game, uh, the momentum is on the other team's side, it, it's going to be hard to, to, to pull a win out. Uh, any thoughts from you guys on this game? Uh, Slate, I'll go to you first. Crazy. I mean, like like you said, uh, Okie State, 30-16 to 16 entering the fourth. Um, I had picked TCU to win this game, and I did not think they were going to be able to pull it out. I thought that they were going to get whooped like Penn State did. I thought that we were definitely going to be looking at like a 40-something to 20, and it was going to be a garbage time uh, score for TCU at the end that gave them the close-looking game. Uh, yeah, I was surprised, to say the least. Uh, Nick? Yeah, um, I, I think – I don't remember exactly. I think I still might have picked against TCU. I, I Yeah, you picked – yeah, you and I both picked Oklahoma State. Okay, yeah. Uh, they're another team just like Illinois that I will no longer pick against. I don't care if they're playing Georgia. Um, 
they continue to prove me wrong. I, I definitely thought I was looking at ESPN, seeing they were down. I was like, all right, yeah, my pick looks great. Looked back for probably, I don't know, about an hour later, and I was like, I did it again. Um, I, I, I will no longer count them out. <laughs> I did I did it again. Um, and, you know, uh, Duggan, you said Duggan. I want to say that it's Dugan. It might be. But either way, um, continues to make his case to be in the Heisman conversation. Uh, that offense, you know, even though they sputtered, in the first three quarters of this game, really, um, that offense is very high powered. Uh, it, it almost seems like we look at the Kansas game or late in this game, it seems like they can score at will when they're, you know, when they're on and, and they have the momentum. Um, I really thought that OK State was going to be able to hold that offense a little better. They did. Um, TCU just made the right adjustments. And it, it's good to see TCU back towards the top of college football again. Um, I've never had anything against TCU. They were always that kind of electric uh energetic team that whether you liked them or disliked them they were fun to watch um and now that they're you know competing back towards the top of college football it's nice to see that yeah i mean i've never had anything against them either except when they played oregon <laughs> um but no i I, I am yes i knew you were getting ready to on <laughs> your face um no i i am pleasantly surprised with how Sonny Dykes has been able to turn this team around in a year. This is a team a lot of people thought were going to finish at the bottom of the, the Big 12. Uh, and here they are. They're undefeated as of right now. Uh, and they, they have a great, a favorable schedule ahead, I would say, uh, to definitely land up in Dallas for the uh, Big 12 championship game. They played Kansas State this week, who's a ranked team. Uh, they don't play Texas until the 11th, or excuse me, the 12th of uh, November. November. There we go. Um, speaking of Texas, yeah, I am getting a little concerned here. Uh, they, they still have three very difficult games ahead. Uh, but if they make it through all three without losing, I'm, I, I might as well just make an appointment. Uh, so I'm, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. Uh, on to the next slate of games. Uh, NC State visited Syracuse. Syracuse is undefeated. Uh, they beat NC State 24 to 9. Trader goes 16 at 25, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Tucker for, Syracuse, 14 carries, 98 yards, and one touchdown. And it was announced just before the game, Devin Leary is out for the season with a shoulder injury. Uh, we, we brought it up on Out of the Tunnel on Saturday morning. He made the trip. He was questionable at the time. Uh, but doctors finally came out and said, you know, he, he's not going to play for the rest of the season, which is unfortunate for him, unfortunate for NC State. They were having a very good season up to this point. They had, they had the difficult loss to uh, Clemson on the road, but they were still a top 25 team. Uh, they, they still had plenty of potential left. And now, unfortunately, Devin Leary will be out for the rest of the season. Uh, Slade, your thoughts on this game first? Uh, I think the part where you started out and say that Syracuse is undefeated is the craziest statement that we could have thought of at the beginning of the season. I mean, did, did we really ever see this happening? A team that, when we mentioned them at the beginning of the season, George, you made the comment that, their arena that they play in is sponsored by an air conditioned unit company at the time and that they didn't have AC in there in there. I mean it's it's just ridiculous. And and I mean they have a tough road coming up. I don't see them going undefeated through the next two weeks, maybe even three weeks. I could see them losing those three games. They play Clemson this upcoming week and then Notre Dame and Pitt the following two weeks. Uh it, it's gonna be a tough schedule for them but it was nice to see them get, yeah. jump out to quite the record i don't know how you can pick anybody beating their name right now uh nick your thoughts yeah um uh, it, it obviously sucks that leary's out um 
I think that even had he not been out for the season and they ended up saying, yeah, he can play, um, I still don't think the NC State offense would have been up to the level that we have seen them at at times this season. Um, Syracuse is another one of those teams that if they didn't happen to have the daunting next three games that they did, I wouldn't pick against them again. Um, but unfortunately, they have a very daunting three games, like Slade just said. So I'm sure that I will probably pick against them. Um, but they've proven me wrong multiple times. NC State, it, it sucks to have your season, you know, go down the way that it did. They were a very highly touted team, especially after the first like two weeks of the season. Um, but just one of those games that, you know, sometimes you just got to take a reality check. Syracuse will probably get theirs next week. Um, but that's that's the way college football goes. Yeah, uh, I'll say. I, I mean, we're going to talk about the Syracuse Clemson game here in a minute. But I'll say this: uh, Syracuse, when they sucked, beat Clemson when they were number two team in the country. So just don't don't count them out yet. They're 14 point underdogs. I think it's absolutely disrespectful. Uh, that they're 14 <laughs> yeah. point underdogs. Yeah, I don't uh, know if they're that much better than Syracuse. But. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, Slade, Mike Leach, again, decides to choke in the middle of the season. Uh, Mississippi State loses to Kentucky on the road 27 17. Will Levis, who was injured but still played, 17 to 23, 230 yards, a touchdown. Will Rogers, which I, I just got to say this real quick. I was looking up the stats for the game. First of all, it's we're heading in the week eight, but this is not Will Rogers' first year. No, 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 no. That's uh, not what I'm getting at here. Uh, ESPN does not have a picture for Will Rogers somehow, which I find incredibly disrespectful. I just oh wanted to bring that up real quick. Uh, speaking of Will Rogers, 25 at 37, 203 yards and one touchdown. And Rodriguez for Kentucky, 30 carries, 196 yards and one touchdown. That sounds like a freaking. Uh, sounds like he played Penn State. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, "Row the Glory." That's what it sounded like when I played "Row the Glory." Um, but yeah, I, I thought Mississippi State had this in the bag. Like you said, Levis was hurt. They were coming off a tough loss to Sir- or South Carolina at home. Uh, Will Rogers was rolling with that offense. But I mean, to me, this is uh, we played against Mike Leach multiple years when he coached at Washington State. I say we. Oregon played against Washington State multiple years when Mike Leach was there. He would always have very good teams. He would get them up in the rankings, and then he would lose one or two games to, like, some really dumb teams like a Cal or, you know, USC when they suck, which we're going to talk about them here in a minute. But, uh, Slade, Mike Leach is your boy. Uh, we'll, we'll let you go first. With this one. Uh, I think that Rodgers was the problem in this game. I mean, we I, like I tried to mention while you were bringing up a different – the picture stat part, Um, I, I it's crazy. One touchdown, like you said. They're through seven, eight games in the season, and he, up to this game, had thrown for like 22 or 23 touchdowns, something like that. He was second most passing touchdowns in the college football, and then he only throws one touchdown against a team that, like you said, is playing with a hurt Will Levis. I mean, I I thought that this was an easy... I, I would have seen Syracuse losing to a non-starting quarterback uh, NC State team before I saw... Kentucky winning this game. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I I believe that I picked Mississippi State, um, mainly for the reason I, I think that if if uh, Will Levis was healthy, I would have felt a little better about Kentucky in this game. But with him not being 100, percent I definitely thought that this was Mississippi State's game to lose. Um, and it turns out that they just happened to do so. Uh, yeah, Rogers, like you talk about, one of the um highest touchdowns in the country. You said he was second. Um. To come out and throw, you know, 25 or 37, 203 yards and one touchdown. Normally, if 
I'd say probably 75% of the quarterbacks in the country, if they had a stat line like that, you'd be like, okay, that was, that was a decent game. That was a good game. Um, but for somebody that we've kind of built high expectations for, and whether it's on him or whether it's on the play calling or whatever it is, he himself did not perform the way he needed to for his team to win. Um, and obviously, you know, Kentucky ended up pulling it out. I, I'm rooting for Levis, especially after watching Sean Clifford for the last what, three years since Levis left. Um, seeing that, you know, he's had the success and is looking to be one of, if not the first quarterbacks taken in, in the draft this year. Um, it, it's nice to see him get that success. Hopefully he can rebound with his injury, be 100%, um, get back to the level that, you know, we've kind of enjoyed seeing him play at and Kentucky can continue to have a good season. I'm not rooting for him until he stops putting Manning in his coffee. I don't care. That that will never I, knock. I mean, me out. listen, I, I'm not I'm not gonna like him as a person. All right, he lost me there. I used to think he was a cool guy. He lost me there, but I like him on the football field. Uh, moving on, we just spoke of I almost called him South Carolina, USC. Uh, they lose a thriller to Utah on the road, 42 to 43. Uh, this was the game where Utah honored uh, and I forget their names. So I'm not even gonna try, but the two players that died uh, last before last season. Um, Cam Rising, 475 total yards, five total touchdowns. Uh, Caleb Williams for USC, 25 of 42, 381 yards, five touchdowns. Travis Dye, 11 carries, 76 yards, one touchdown. I have a lot of thoughts on this, so I'll save it, but I'll let you guys go first. Uh, Nick. Yeah, so first of all, Cam Rising, thank God. I guess ask and you shall receive. I asked to see more out of Cam Rising. I wanted to see the Cam Rising that <laughs> beat George, or Oregon twice. Last year, I almost said beat George twice as if George was on the field. Um, you know, and it, maybe this is finally his 2022 coming out party. I, I hope that we can continue to see this version of Cam Rising. Um, I enjoy watching this version play. Uh, 475 yards is definitely nothing to sneeze at, especially against a good USC team. Um, and granted, I think that he needed to throw that well in order to beat this USC team. But, you know, it, it was finally good to see him get back to that level. Hopefully he can sustain it. Both of these quarterbacks played a great game. Um, Travis Dye did, you know, a, a decent job on the ground. I don't think as good as, you know, what maybe he would have liked to have seen, but uh, it, it was a great game to watch, a great game to follow along with. Uh, Slade, any thoughts before I lay into a lot of things? Yeah, so, I mean, I think, like you said, they were honoring uh, two of their teammates that, that obviously passed away. Um Something special in the field for Utah, obviously. I mean, I would not have seen if you'd have told me that Caleb Williams has five touchdowns and USC scores forty-two points, and like, oh well, Utah must have had twenty. I don't know. I mean, I just did not see this happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh first of all, my I was having a brain fart earlier putting the, the stats in. I was like, he had five like both of them had five touchdowns. And I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I couldn't understand why the score is forty-two to forty-three. And then Basically, what I'm trying to say is I thought seven times five was 42 for a minute. I was like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> moving on. So, so what I want to talk about, first of all, this was one of the worst officiated games I've ever watched in my life. Uh, I thought both teams were getting shafted left and right nonstop. But I don't know if you guys have seen the sequence or, or anything since it has happened. Uh, basically, what happened, Utah goes down. They scored to take the lead. Uh, they get the two-point conversion. USC gets the ball back. I believe there's like 30 seconds on the clock. Um, they get a false start. I think they even got a delay of game. They, they just keep backing up. They go to chuck the ball deep, uh, as you do on like third and long, uh, especially with time running out. There was a pass interference call, but the ball is intercepted. 
Utah starts running the ball back, and he gets tackled out of bounds. Clock stops. They pass interference. Ball gets moved up. I think they got 15 yards from there. I, I always get the NFL and, and college rules confused at this point because I think the NFL is it's spot foul now. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, college, you just get 15 yards. Yeah. Um, so they move the ball up, but then they go under the, the, the hood again, and they're reviewing something. And it, the announcer's like, what are you reviewing? Like, are you just trying to see, like, how much time is left on the clock? Because, like, when the scoreboard, it said nine seconds. And they're, so they're watching the review. In the middle of the play, the clock stops. So, like, okay. So then they, they start keeping track. They're like, okay, there should be about five, four or five seconds left. All right. Guy comes out and goes, in the middle of the play, uh, USC called a timeout. So there's now 13 seconds on the clock. I'm like, I am sorry. I have watched football for 26 years now. When in the hell has it ever been acceptable to say, uh, I don't like the yeah. play. Let's call a timeout. Yeah. So they grant the timeout. There's 13 seconds back on the clock. That, that was just, but there was so many BS targeting calls throughout the game. Just the entire night I was watching this and I was like, I, I thought Oregon last year at, when they played at Stanford got shafted, but it was all one-sided. And I understand USC fans are very upset. Uh, they need to get over it because it was both sides. And right before the half, uh, Utah got a timeout taken away from them for no reason. The, the booth called a review, and they went, okay, well, Utah loses a timeout. And we're like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, why? Wasn't and it for th- people in the field or something like that? No. Oh. There was no reason for it. Like, it was oh. it was so, like, mind-bogglingly stupid. Like, Utah had the ball. They're driving. Yeah, I thought that it was a penalty for sideline misconduct or something like that. They but... might have got that because the yeah. coaches were losing their mind because, yeah. like, their view had already happened. And they were like, yeah, uh, so we, we called a review here. Uh, and, and we determined the clock should, like, it, they got the first down, but the, he was inbound, so the clock should be running. And so Utah is going to take a timeout to stop the clock, and everybody's like, no, like, you've got to set the ball. We have time to get our players there for you to set yeah. the ball. You call timeout. The rest were just so mind-bogglingly stupid. It, it hurt to watch. Wow. Um, and then, oh, as far as USC goes, like you said, Travis Dye would have liked to have done much. Well, I would have liked if USC – you done more with him. He was gashing Utah left and right in the first quarter, and they went, let's just stop running the ball. And yeah. I understand uh, they, they were saying Caleb Williams is getting tired. Travis I was probably getting tired, too, because of the elevation change and all this other stuff. But they completely abandoned the run. They, they just gave the ball to Caleb Williams, and the, the first and second quarter, he was doing a lot with it. But all of a sudden, Utah started getting a couple plays and a lot of stops. It's like, okay, Run the ball, and they, they just didn't. And I, I just did not understand that. Uh, USC absolutely deserved to lose that game with their stupid play calling. Um, yeah, I mean, he's averaging, uh, I believe it would be just under seven yards per carry. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because uh, seven yards per carry would be 77. So, yeah, just under seven yards per carry on 11 touches. Uh, and you're only going to give him 11 touches. Like, I understand yeah. Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams, but come on now. Anyway, uh, next slate of games. Effect. Yeah. Uh, this is exactly the way I never won a national championship at o- Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> we had our favorite game to pick this week. Ohio beat Western Michigan on the road 33-14. to This is my favorite stat of the day. Uh, neck. I don't even know how to say this. Slopek. Slopek. 17-31, uh, to 249 yards, two touchdowns, made through five interceptions. Uh, Rourke for Ohio, 22-34, 264 yards, one touchdown. And Bangura. 25 carries, 70, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I know you guys did not watch that game at all, so I'm not going to make you bother talking about that. Uh, five interceptions. Was it, was it on TV? It was, actually. It oh, was. Wow. It was on 
CBS Sports Network. I'd like to know what their viewership was for that with all the other interesting games yeah. going on. I, I, I feel like it was probably up there with Alabama. Uh, <laughs> then we had Battle for the Victory Bell. UNC visited Duke. UNC uh, has a come-from-behind win, and they also have to hold off Duke with a last-minute interception. 38-35. Drake May continues to impress this season. 28 of 38, 380 yards and three touchdowns. And Leonard for Duke balled out 375 total yards and two total touchdowns. Uh, he was their leading rusher and passer. Well, obviously passer, but the leading rusher as well. Um, any any thoughts on that? Should we just keep going through these? Uh, did, who all picked? That's it. That's all I got right did, there. Did you pick UNC also? Was that? Yeah, yeah, we, we we yeah we okay. all picked UNC. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> speaking of the jinx, <laughs> New Mexico loses to New Mexico State. <laughs> 42 to 40. That, that's, that score is not right. It was like, no. I think it was 22 to 9. Um, <laughs> Frank is, uh, that's probably not how you say his name either. 10 to 17, 119 yards and two touchdowns. Both teams together had 494 combined yards. To put that in perspective, Alabama and Tennessee had 1,136. Wow. Uh, as for the Jack Wing Sports Game of the Week, here we go. Uh, Slade and Nick oh, that wasn't it? Oh, wait. Oh, I didn't even put it in here. Oh. In state at Michigan. It's probably for the better. 20. I haven't cried yet today. 21 to 9 was the score that last one. Yeah. You made me feel so much better about my pick. I was like, oh, damn. They only lost by one point. Yeah. I was like, I was like, ah, man. Like, it was close at least. Yeah. What a guess. What a guess. I am mad now. I put so much work. Into, into making that oh i'm it's okay it's all good buddy we don't need it listen you yeah, don't sure. but i the, I'm the sure listeners at home music i'm sure the list okay well the listeners at home are going to want to hear us talk about ucla after they smack oregon so i'm not first of all i just want to go over the stats all i want to do uh mccarthy 17 to 24 145 yards one interception that was also the luckiest interception ever like you said earlier you take those two plays away from penn state it's 41 yeah. to 3 uh, if not more, uh, Clifford seven to nineteen hundred twenty yards passing. Michigan had four hundred eighteen yards rushing. I talked very highly of Penn State's uh, rush defense going into that game. Uh, so that was that was a big letdown for me. Yeah, uh, they got a well, lot of. So I wanted. To, I, I was just to say I put a lot of work into that film. And I I hyped up Penn State's rush defense yeah. so much. Well, they didn't listen that, to you. They didn't listen yeah. to you. You know, it is what it is. Uh, you don't listen to George, you're gonna lose games. But no, what one thing that I said was. You know, we've talked about Penn State's O-line for years. Um, I can't think of a year. I Maybe back when Barkley and McSorley were there, they had a good offensive line. I can't even hear what you're saying right now. I'm not coming across. I, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, I said you were going to hear that a lot on Saturday as a joke, and, and then you heard yeah. it a lot on Saturday. Yeah, no, uh, we did. Um, but no, the one thing, like somebody, was, I was talking to another Penn State fan the, yes, two days ago on Sunday, and they were like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And the biggest thing for me that I noticed was when you see our o- offensive line, you know, jog out onto the field, it looks like an offensive line that might make some blocks. When you see, see Michigan's offensive line trot out onto the field, first of all, you can feel the ground shaking. And second of all, they look like they're ready to murder somebody. And if we don't have an offensive line looking like that next year, I ain't watching. All right. Like, I, we got two talented running backs. We need offensive line that got so much face paint on. You can't tell what color they actually are. Like, I, I want a, to see an offensive line jog out there that looks like they're ready to punch somebody in the mouth. 
Not that like they look like they're ready to take me to fucking Chick-fil-A. I'll throw a dollar in the tip jar, fucking Chick-fil-A for a nice crispy chicken sandwich. Like that stupid. Stupid. Can you tell I'm irritated? A little bit slate and any anything to add to that? If Sean Clifford is your leading rusher for the game, we're we're bad off. Yeah, with the two running I mean, backs that we have, like he, he, he has uh, I'm looking at it now. He had as many carries as Singleton and Allen. He had six carries. He had 74 yards on six carries. Singleton had 20 yards and Allen had 16. And then you had Drew Alar with two carries from negative three yards. And, uh, and, I, and, and they combined for, for a total of 12 completions. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, I just want to say real quick before we move on. I, I never once talked ill on Penn State. So don't put that on me. That's and second, I, I did what I do every time we pick Penn State games. I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you did, them. Yeah, you did. So pick I them. did everything I could. We, but we, we just did learned. that to save your record. I did to not. pick Michigan? What, what, I picked against Penn State every week, and Penn State is one. Okay, did you think Penn State had a chance of winning that game? I did. I thought it was going to be a lot closer than 41 to, uh, what, 16. Didn't we all, buddy? Didn't we all? No, I, I just want to say that. I don't think any of that was my fault. No. Um, and and I think that uh, with Drew coming in late in the game, like we've seen games where Drew has come in, whether it's been from a Clifford injury or just putting him in at the end of the game, the offense typically moves better with Drew in the game, and Drew couldn't do crap either. So at that point, like uh, you have a bye week, so you have a whole extra week to prepare for this team. James Franklin was out recruiting. I get it. Recruiting's important, but beating Michigan – as one of the best teams in the country is also pretty important. I think we could all agree on. Um, and to come out and have a performance like that after having a whole week, a whole extra week of preparation and rest, uh, it, it falls completely on Franklin and the coaching staff. Yeah, real quick, George. Yeah, uh, go ahead. So two things. Uh, first off, can you imagine if you're if you're a family, James Franklin comes to your house because your kid is a very talented uh, co- uh, college football prospect. And he's sitting there, and he's telling you, you need to come to Penn State. You just wait. Mark my words. Next week, you're going to see us win in Ann Arbor. Yeah. We're going to get it done. And then their quarterbacks combine for 12 completions. And the fact that Penn State fans came after James Franklin for putting Alar in the game, being down by 40 points. Yeah. Uh, what did they want him? The fact that yeah. he had to be like, uh, well, I thought that it was warranted to take Clifford out of the game, seeing as though yeah. – he ran for more yards than he passed. Yeah. And he had a shoulder injury. Like, he had a legit reason to take Clifford out of the game. And fans have been begging to see Alar all season long, and then he puts him in down by 30, and they're like, oh, screw you. Like, dude, this is what we wanted. Like, I, it, like I said, it, it clearly showed you that, like, Clifford could have been a whole lot better quarterback than what he actually is. It, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, the game plan was off. Everything was off. Our O-line sucks. The, the only thing left I want to say about this game is is we have given Michigan a lot of hate, one for their scheduling, and then they, they got into the Big Ten schedule and they, they started to stumble a little bit. This is going to prove one of two things going forward. Either Penn State is not who we thought they were. I, I mean, I know that I they didn't have very high expectations coming in. I don't think anybody looked at them as, okay, they're, they're favorites in the Big Ten. They, they might be contenders, um, but they're through the first couple weeks. All, all of a sudden, they're 5-0. and Everybody's like, okay. I mean – Maybe, you know, we, we got to see what happens in Michigan. And then coming to this game, everybody's looking at Michigan going, okay, 
you had a very cheap, you know, non-conference schedule. Your first two conference games, you haven't looked great. Um, so, you know, what, what's going to happen here going forward? So from from this point on is, okay, was, was Penn State that bad or is Michigan that good? And I, I feel like it's going to take a few weeks. I think Michigan has a bye this week, and then I believe they play Michigan State for the next game, so a big rivalry game. Uh, so I thought this game was going to answer a lot of questions, but for me at least, I, I feel like it's left more. And in, in terms of said, is, is Penn State really that bad or is Michigan that good? Yeah. Um, updated standings for our game picks uh, after week seven. Slade is starting to distance himself as number one. Uh, he's at 52 and 25. And Nick and I are now tied for last place at 48 and 29. Uh, our cash out picks, please do not ever ask us for gambling advice as only one of our cash out picks this weekend hit. Uh, Nick is now 14 and 10. Slade is 10 and 15. And I am at 8 and 16. Uh, it was just rough out there for him. Yeah. Let's look at the Jack Wagon Sports top 25 rankings. Uh, we do this every week. It's controversial, I know. Uh, not we worth, don't care, by the way, either. But I wanted to, well, I did want to see Tennessee above Alabama, but it didn't. Well, yeah. But uh, Ohio State remains number one. Uh, I was supposed to update that. But anyway, uh, Ohio State remains number one. Georgia jumps up to number two from fourth. Alabama is number three. Tennessee is number four. Michigan jumps up to number five. Ole Miss drops to number six. Texas jumps to number seven. Syracuse to number eight. Clemson to nine. James Madison drops to 10th. Illinois jumps to 11th. TCU jumps to 12th. USC falls to 13th. Tulane jumps to 15th. UCF comes from unranked to 15th. Mississippi State uh, falls to 16th. Oklahoma State is 17th. Utah jumps to 18th. Air Force is now ranked at 19th. Minnesota is 20th. LSU is 21st. UCLA is 22nd. Western Kentucky is 23rd. UAB is 24th. And Oregon is at 25th. Uh, they fall because of their bye week. Still hanging in there. Teams that fell from the rankings, Wake Forest fell from 25th just because of their bye week. Kansas, with their loss, falls from 21st. Baylor, with a loss at West Virginia, falls from 24th. And Penn State's out of the rankings from 18th. Uh, just your guys' thoughts on these rankings real quick before we get to our top 25. Yeah, uh, I'll just say real quick. I mean, you know, there's a lot of teams on here. I like the way that we have things. Um, I think it paints a relatively accurate picture. Uh, especially when you're looking at teams that are in this top 25 that we make that are competing against each other. Um, obviously, we're still tweaking some things. You know, Tennessee should be above Alabama. Uh, even with our our formula that we use, I'm not sure how that didn't happen. Uh, but nonetheless, for anybody listening here and wondering, like, how the hell does that happen? Uh, we're working on it. We're tweaking it. We already discussed it. Uh, so we'll figure it out here. I will say, we're not so, geniuses, all right. So we're just throwing some stuff out here and seeing if it works, yeah. basically. So I mean, if you look, if you look each week at the the points next to each team's name. So last week, Alabama had twenty three point eleven points, so they obviously went down. Tennessee had nineteen point seven eight, so it's just, I mean, they they had a nice jump in points. It's just that gap was so significant yeah. they weren't able to overcome it. And then you had Georgia, who Jeez. played Vanderbilt and won fifty five to nothing. So when <laughs> Tennessee beats Vanderbilt fifty five to nothing, they'll get a bunch of more points and they'll come up. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where everybody lands after conference. JMU still being in the top ten is just yeah. the most surprising part to me. <laughs> it's because they everybody they beat so far this year has been by like thirty points. Yeah, but still, uh, I mean, they lost to Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern's only like legitimate win is we're calling Nebraska their legitimate <laughs> win. Do not, do not get Tony on you. Tony will hunt <laughs> you down. 
Yeah. Tony, Tony is coming to where you live this weekend. Do not, that's, do not anger that's, him. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, he's, he's driving go, basically fast yeah. where I live. So, Tony, What'd I love you. you. Nebraska? Nebraska's great. Uh, before we get into the top five, actually, we, uh, from now on, we're going to start announcing our Game of the Week picks that we're going to be making on Saturday. This week is going to be Syracuse at Clemson. Uh, we, we learned to not make Penn State the pick of the week. Uh, obviously, they don't play well. With that being the whiteout, we didn't want to do that to them. Uh, but this is going to be a great game. Oregon and UCLA? We just didn't want to put that juju on, on you. Yeah, we, we've already did that week one. Uh, <laughs> they got blown up 49 to nothing by Georgia. So, uh, Syracuse I thought it was like 49 to three or something. No, I don't think we. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, they scored a field goal. No, yeah. no, we didn't. No, we didn't score. We didn't. I could have score. scored. I could have scored. You scored. I don't think we scored. Oh well, that's all right. Maybe we did because I can't Whatever. remember. But they they Garbage gave a time field goal by the backup punter. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, but th- this is gonna be a great game. This will be 12 o'clock on ABC. Clemson, like we said earlier, somehow a two touchdown favorite. The over under is set at 50. Uh, but don't forget to join us live. We're out of the tunnel. Uh, Saturday morning, 8.30 a.m. We're switching it from 8 a.m. because we do like sleep. Um, yeah. And so we're trying to beat a little bit of the game day crowd, but <laughs> we, we need some rest. Uh, and so we, we just we, we got to squeeze that in somehow. Yeah, plus um, who wants to wake up at 7.45 to hear us three idiots talk for an hour? Exactly. 8.15 uh, is better. <laughs> yeah, except you don't show up. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's why we moved to back half. That way, when I wake up at 8.45 ready to go, I'm only 15 minutes late. Exactly. Uh, so it is time for a top five. We have not done a top five in a while. Uh, and we decided to do some, some controversy with this one since, since we're bringing it back. Uh, top five NFL quarterbacks of all time. Slade, you have been so eager to give us your top five. We're going to have you go first. All right. So at fifth, I'm going with Johnny U. Um, I think that what? <laughs> I didn't think you knew who that was. <laughs> oh, oh well, well, he's number five. Number four, Dan Marino. Number three, Peyton Manning. Number two, Joe Montana. And number one, CB12. <laughs> oh, I didn't think he was going to give it to him. I didn't think he was going to. I know. I was like, he's, he's going to go with like Tony Romo or something. Yeah, the way he built it up, I was like, Randall L. <laughs> Nick, you go ahead, buddy. Uh, all right. So. I had I ended up erasing the top five when I first wrote this down, so I'm trying to remember what order I had it in without sitting there and looking back at stats. So, uh, let me see here. Number five should be I believe I had Drew Brees. I know he was in my top five. I don't remember if I had him at number five, but this is a rough guess. Uh, number four I had Dan Marino. Only knock on him didn't win a Super Bowl. Number three I had Peyton. I had Peyton Manning. Number two, I had Joe Montana, and number one, I had Tom Brady. Okay, I'll give you my top five. I didn't want to put Tom Brady at first, but like you, you can't argue. Like anybody that says like, "Oh, the scheme, this, that, and the other," like the dude still had to complete passes. He still has to read defenses. Like it, he still. I don't think he's athletically talent wise the best quarterback of all time, but between his brain and the talent that he does have, it's really hard. To throw the ball too when you got forty pounds of rings on your other hand while you're yeah up. exactly like weighing him down he's probably like oh cockeyed now on the field can we say cockeyed on here we did now but I'll, I'll let it slide we, we need uh, to go to body bed, part man. My... we need to go to bed <laughs> so so my top five will definitely be a little controversial especially compared <sighs> to your guys's number Big five I, d- I did put Drew Brees uh, I, I think he with the passing records he had especially batting uh, Brady late in his career. 
I think he definitely deserves a mention. He did win a Super Bowl as well. Number four, I put Steve Young. Uh, the second half of that 49ers dynasty, I believe he has three Super Bowls to his name. Uh, he was a great quarterback. I feel like he gets underrated a lot. In my eyes, again. He was an honorable mention. For me. Yeah. Number three, I put Dan Marino. Like, yes, I understand the knock against him is he didn't win a Super Bowl. But if you look at uh, at the stats from those years, he was playing out of his mind every single oh, yeah. year. He had the worst defense in the league on, on the other side of the field. Uh, and that's why the Dolphins could never win a Super Bowl. Uh, so I don't put any of that on Marino. I think if they had a, a half-competent defense, they probably would have won, like, two, maybe even three. Because um, let's let's face facts, the 85 Bears somehow won a Super Bowl. Yeah, they had the best defense. You know, best defense of all time, but they had a terrible offense. Um, number two, I put Brady. I did not give him the number one spot on my list. That's right. Uh, I will never argue somebody putting Brady at two. I will never. I, I 100%. I, I think championships speak a lot, but in my eyes, uh, he, he's never been an outstanding quarterback. He's like, yeah, we said it, he's a system quarterback, but to me, it's either the defenses were, you know, top of the league or. He got insanely, excuse me, insanely lucky with a lot of stuff. Uh, so to me, I put him at number two, and the number one, I put Joe Montana. Peyton Manning's not on my top five. Uh, I, I don't think he. I don't think he's a top five quarterback. I really don't. Wait, wait. Yeah, I could argue with him did and you have Steve Young. Brees on yours? I did. Oh, I, I think Drew Brees is better than Peyton Manning all time. Um, if if Peyton Manning yeah has a lot of really great stats, uh, he has two Super Bowls and. He got blown out another. He was never good in the playoffs is, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, Brady always owned him. Uh, and, and so to me, I, I don't feel like Peyton Manning's a top five quarterback of all time, but that's, that's just me. Uh, but that will wrap up our episode for this week. As we said earlier, please don't forget to join us Saturday morning at 8.30 for Out of the Tunnel live on our YouTube. I was finishing my water, but you got to change the banner at the bottom. Yeah, the ticker. Oh, I didn't even that think still says that. 8 a.m. I just, uh, before I lo- forgot about it, I wanted to point it out while I was drinking my drink. <laughs> I thought you were telling me to. And then I couldn't find the camera, so I'm over here like. Oh, you, you were pointing down. I thought you were telling me to do something else. But yeah. Uh, later. Um, okay. Well, when we're off the air. When we're off the air. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so please join us at 8.30 a.m. for that. Uh, as always, go back, watch any other episodes. If you want as well, you can go back and watch our previous Out of the Tunnels uh, and see just dumb predictions that we've had throughout the season so far. Uh, we hope to see you there. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe to our YouTube. Hit the notification bell so you know when we go live. I think that's it. We'll see you Saturday morning. Yes, sir. See you Saturday.